All right. Now, if you're new or visiting this place, I got to tell you about an arrangement we have here. It's simply this. The quieter you guys are, the longer I talk. All right. Think on that for a minute because it's getting close to lunchtime. So if y'all say yes, amen, cheer, I ask you how you're doing, and you respond with some energy and love, then we can get out of here in a tight 30, okay? So I'm going to ask you one time how you guys are doing, and you get one shot at this woohoo thing, okay? Now, all forms of yell, cheer, and clap are valid. A clap is good if you are a clapping person. A woohoo is good if you're a frat girl. Um, and and uh, a yeah is even better. So here we go. We'll pretend like that video just ended. How you guys doing? Momentum, y'all good? There we go. This is going to be... A good one. All right. Then we'll do the 25-minute version. Okay. Uh, I'll explain something really quick. Okay. Why on the earth, it, why on earth is there something in your bulletin that says love, sex, phones, and Jesus? Okay. Glad you asked. Uh, I can explain. Uh, we had a write-in series where people wrote in and said, what are the things, uh, we said, what are the problems, the hang-ups, the hard parts of your life? And people wrote in, and for three weeks, I preached on all the things you wrote in on. The thing is, there was a huge response, and one out of every four responses had something to do with relationships, sex, sexuality, navigating sex and culture, pornography, making marriage work, making family work in a culture that is just saturated with sex and sexuality. And there was no way to do one sermon that would actually do something helpful where we could pursue being healthy Jesus followers in a culture like ours. And so we're doing a whole series. And, and so this sheet does two things. Number one, this is so you know what's coming. Uh, if you want your kids to hear stuff or don't want them to hear stuff, it just depends. That's up to you. But, but what we'll do is outside there's going to be a middle school hangout and uh, phone chargers and donuts and music. And so we're expecting tons of middle school kids that don't even go to this church to just show up out there. Um, so if you want your kid to go out and to hang with our middle school team while we preach and teach and talk, you can do so if you want them in. It's all right here. Um, Costume Sunday which is one of our biggest invite Sundays of the year, falls right in the middle of this thing, and you're like, I'm not bringing my friends here for the sex talk, Matt. No, don't worry. That's not what's going to happen. On that Sunday, we'll be doing something on family life and cultivating a healthy family that applies to everyone. And so you don't have to worry about, like, any weird stuff going on when you reach out to a friend and they finally say they'll come to church. Nobody's going to embarrass them. And, and that is that. Um, I'm going to pray. And, and we are finally in week 10, uh, the very last week of this This Is Momentum series. It's a vision series for us. It's a culture series for us. We'll dive into that in just a minute. I'll pray. I'm excited. And I had too much coffee, so let's do this, okay? Uh, God and Father, um, I pray for a sacred moment right now. Not clever, not charismatic or about a personality, but, but God, about you shaping us. About you, about you stepping into this place and through the opening of your scriptures that you would join us and pour into us the life we need to live and be the men and women you've called us to be. So Holy Spirit, come into this room and do a work that only you could do in our hearts and lives. In Jesus' name, amen.
So this is the last week of a 10-week series, but I can catch you up, okay? We're talking about what kind of church family we want to be. And and this phrase has come up over and over and over again. We said we want to be a welcoming church family being brought to life by Jesus and bringing bringing the life found in Jesus to the world around us. Uh, John, in his gospel, writes these words that in Jesus is light and life. And, And if my wildest dreams came true, we would come together, be filled with the light and life that are found in Jesus. We would be filled up so much, it's overflowing. And when you go to your workplace or soccer practice or your school or wherever it is you go, that you would carry that light and life with you, living a life that shows people the goodness of our God outside these walls. That is the entirety of what we want as a church. And so we talked a lot about how that works. And then these last few weeks, we're talking culture. And I want you guys, this week to get to see something I see from up here every week. This is something that's just struck me for a long time, and we're going to bring some intentionality around it and talk about how we live faithfully as God's doing a unique thing in this church family. So um, Donna uh, and, and, and Ben, could you guys come up here really quick? I want, I want you guys to see this. This is interesting. So uh, ben Sperling, everyone, you could stand right here. Yeah, Mason, there you go. They, they're not clapping for you. They just want the sermon to end sooner. And, and, uh, gotcha. <laughs> I promised to bring my uh, walker. She was going to bring a walker and really lay it on. So if you could just stand right here. Okay. Uh, ben and Donna. And what is so peculiar, so bizarre about this church family is every single week, I stand up here, and I look at these two sitting down. And it's really bizarre because at first glance, okay, they got different lives and different things going on, probably a different set of interests, probably different things they do with their free time. You probably wake up, and you have a whole set of concerns you got on your mind. You probably have a set of concerns, but the concerns aren't necessarily the same. You guys both um, like music, I would assume. You teach piano lessons, and you are probably into what do you like? Nothing? No? Drake, he, it's Drake, and he's just scared to say it because he's in church. <laughs> well, what are you laughing for? That, I got him. And, <laughs> and, and, and you've probably played Fortnite before. Have you heard of Fortnite? No. Okay, we don't know what Fortnite is on this side. Um, there is a whole set of differences between these two, but spiritually, if you start talking their faith and their faith lives, there's so much in common. Both of them have stories where they're meeting and learning to follow Jesus. You have a faith story that God is writing right up until this present day. Both of them, both of them could tell you about what it means to be a Jesus follower to them and the steps they're taking to grow to know him. And here's the crazy one, you guys, okay? Both of these people come into this gym every single week and sing the same songs together. Both of them come here and learn from the same messages together. Both of them would say, momentum is my place. These are my people, and I love it here. And my goodness, I'm going to argue this morning that this is what God has always had in mind. And every single week, this is so special. There are people Ben's age that say, momentum is my church. These are my people, and I love it here. And every single week, there are people Donna's age that say, momentum is my church. These are my people, and I love it here. And there's people in between these two who say the same things. And um, you guys can make noise for them, and I'm going to help them get back to seats and everything. Um, 
Man. Okay. <laughs> I was at a conference this week. And this guy preached a whole message about churches need to be intergenerational, and that's the problem. You go into a town, and you only reach people who are just like you. And I'm like, I've not had that problem. And I love that. And people talk, people visit here, and they go, how'd you get so diverse? And how's this age range happening every single week at your church? And I'm like, meh. But I think that's what God wanted. And I want to show you in Scripture really quick. God's heart for an intergenerational faith community. And then I want to talk about how we live faithfully in light of what God's doing in this place. Um, Psalm 145 is a special verse to me. I can give you some background on it. I was in college, and I felt convicted. I had just gotten saved, and I felt convicted to start learning more scripture. And, and I couldn't just stare at words and memorize them. And so I took old hip-hop beats and I put down some tracks, and I read the scripture over the hip-hop beat. And this is one of the first ones, and I called the album Hit You With Scripture. And uh, <laughs> that's embarrassing. And, and this is, so I can't read this verse without hearing the beat from Ready or Not by the Fugees in the back. You know what I'm talking about? And I'm going to find you, and I will extol you. Okay, anyways, but listen to the words. Hang on, catch me. Oh, Lord. Um, I will extol you, my God, the King. I will praise your name forever and ever. Every day I will praise you and extol your name forever and ever. Great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. His greatness no one can fathom. Go to the next one for me. One generation, ding, 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 commends your works to another. They tell of your mighty acts. They speak of your glorious majesty. And I will meditate on your wonderful works. In God's vision for a faith-filled community, you have different generations gathering around God's heart, his purposes, his love in mighty hand, lifting up his name and testifying to one another. Listen to me carefully, younger generation. It doesn't just say, okay, and by the way, you'll hear me say young generation, old generation. Uh, you get to choose your own adventure today. You can identify with whatever generation you feel. I am not assigning those or drawing any lines. Um, the picture is a faith community together telling one another about God's heart, God's love, and God's goodness. And it says that the young generation has a story to tell to the older generation about God's faithfulness, that the older generation has a story to tell about the other generation's faithfulness. We are in this together, and this is what God always wanted. If you go to Exodus really quick on my next one, this is one of the hallmark moments from Scripture in Exodus when God gathers all of Israel around the mountain and, and he sends Moses up and, and, and to receive these Ten Commandments and, and his law and, and then God's presence drops on this mountain. But notice what it says. In the third month after the people of Israel left Egypt and came to Sinai in the desert on the same day, they had left Rephidim and come to Sinai in the desert. There, Israel set up their tents in front of the mountain. Israel, capital I. That means the whole faith community, young and old, were present in this moment. The mountain of God with God's presence, a sea of tents, and kids running around between the tents playing hide and go seek. And that's what God always wanted. Notice he doesn't say, okay, I'm going to descend on this mountain, so make sure you get your favorite babysitter over around 8 p.m. and tell her you won't be there long, but you're going to meet with God. No, when God's presence fell on this mountain, they were all there. Old and young, jaws dropped 
observing the goodness of God together. God commands us, Israel, to celebrate the Passover. At the Passover, if you've ever celebrated one of those meals, there was a time just set aside where the older folks in the room could tell stories about God's goodness and love to the younger generation. Jesus feeds 5,000 people. And they go, we need somebody with some bread and some loaves. Who do they find? The boy. Because they were there. And we brush right past this, but I'll tell you something. Every single time you see red letters in your scripture and Jesus was in front of a crowd, there were kids running around. Most of the time Jesus was preaching and teaching, it would have been with kids laughing and playing in the background, and they would try and keep the kids, shh, get over there, no, and Jesus would be like, no, bring them on, because they're going to be carrying this word that I'm saying to you and to generations to come. That's why I love the parent section, you guys. I'm just for you, okay? And, and y'all missed it. Like six weeks ago, y'all were all in a row. One, two, three, four. Y'all had the strollers going at the same time. It was like, we are in this together. And I love it. You keep making babies and we will keep making disciples. It's a deal. And, and we will grow the next generation and know and love their God because that's what God always wanted. Um, this is wild. In your scripture in Acts chapter 20, it says, on the first day of the week, we came together to break bread. Paul spoke to the people, and because he intended to leave the next day, Paul kept on talking until midnight. See, they weren't loud enough while he was preaching. There were many lamps in the upstairs where they were meeting. Seated in the window was a young man named Eutychus, who was sinking into a deep sleep as Paul talked on and on. When he was sound asleep, he fell to the ground from the third story and was picked up dead. Paul went down, threw himself in the young man, put his arms around him. Don't be alarmed, he said. He's alive. He went upstairs again and broke bread and ate. After daylight, he left. The people took the young man home alive and were greatly comforted. Can I tell you something? There's very little you can apply to your life from this scripture. You can't go home and use that on Tuesday, right? Like, very, 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 very slim overlap with modern life in 2019 with all its concerns. So what is that scripture doing in the Bible? Why is that story there? What are they doing? They're showing the young and the old coming around the same word in the same moment with the same heart. It's an intergenerational testimony and a vision of what God always wanted. Now, here's the bizarre thing. We have happened into this as a church community. God's been faithful, and he's done this special thing. And, and I said, you know what? What if instead of just kind of going with the flow, we paused, we took a time out as a church community, and we said, how do we live faithfully? How do we take this little spark that God has dropped in our community and turn it into a flame? How do we respond faithfully? to what God's doing in this place. And that's where we're going. And so in your notes, there's just a four ideas there about how we do intergenerational church well. What would this community be like? What would our spirit be if we were to do this well? Number one is this. You begin with uncommon humility. Responding faithfully is beginning with an uncommon humility, old to young and young to old. Older generation in the room, what does it look like 
to have an uncommon humility in your approach to the younger generation. That's easy. What is the common approach to the younger generation? These no-good millennials and their phones, and they can't hold the job, and they'll live with you till they're 30, and then who knows what's going to happen in their lives. And, and because of that, that, it's really easy to laugh about how they can't pay attention and all these things. And that is such a common narrative. But when has God ever called us to be common in our narratives and our beliefs? You know what uncommon humility looks like? It means if you're in the older generation, again, you identify wherever you want. It means you look at these young brothers and sisters in the Lord with humility, realizing that you could learn something from them. Not just how to use your phone and that new device you bought, but like you could get into their lives and you could learn about their viewpoints, what they care about, what makes them angry. What's coming up in the next 10 years that makes them really, really excited? What God is doing through their generation? What it's like to be a Christian and a young person at the same time? And that you would just simply cherish what they have to share, lift it up, and say, man, it is just so good to know a kid like you. That would be uncommon. You'll meet um, one of my mentors, a Bible college professor, uh, in November. He's coming out, and he's going to do some shepherding stuff with us, and on our campus, J.K. Jones was the most sought-after man by every single student who attended this school. I mean, it was impossible to get on J.K.'s calendar because so many young people just wanted to sit with him. And although he had so much to offer, you know the reason the kids sought him out on campus the most? It wasn't because of what he had to say. It was because of the way he listened and when you are willing to sit down, when you find yourself in space with young people in our community and you genuinely listen, you are giving these kids a gift. You are strengthening their faith and feeding their souls by taking the posture of a student even though you shouldn't have to. Young generation, do you know what uncommon humility looks like? It looks like realizing those who've gone before you were once you. Realizing uncommon humility for young people in this faith community is looking around at those who are older than you and realizing they once lived the life you're living now. The older generation in this church has been through bad breakups. They've picked colleges. They've had parents divorced. They've missed promotions. They felt like they had no clue what to do with their life. They stayed out until the sun came up. They went to concerts and had first kisses and steamed up the windows of some Chevys, y'all. I'm just kidding. Not your parents. The other ones here that we baptized. <laughs> but you know what would be uncommon if you're a young person? To look at them and realize you could learn something from them. And you know what happens? I love, I love getting to know um, people in this community who are older than me. And I just ask them about, hey, what's it feel like being 60? What's it feel like? What do you care about now? What are you focused on? And I talk about my age. I go, I turned 35. Can I tell you something? I still feel 16. You know what my 60-year-old friends say? Me too. Young people, they may look older to you, but they feel younger than you think. You know what humility looks like? 
embracing these people and realizing the gift they are to us with the wisdom and experience they bring to the table. Do you want to be an uncommon, you want to be an uncommon young person? Learn from them. When you're at an event or a packed with love and they're there and there's time and there's space, don't pull out your phone and just, just get to know some of these people because they got stories that can help you go farther faster. They got wisdom. They've been through it. Proverbs gives this command to young people. It says the beginning of wisdom is this. Get wisdom. You are commanded to get wisdom. And two things happen to you when you do. You become an uncommon young person. When you pair the passion and beauty of youth with the experience and wisdom that come with age, and you get to grab a hold of that, you are going to go so far in your life if you're an uncommon kid who seeks uncommon wisdom with uncommon humility. And you're going to strengthen the faith of the generation who's come before you. Can I tell you something? Uh, in church life, everybody's like, the 20-somethings, the 20-somethings, they're leaving the church, leaving the church. Oh, my gosh, we got to figure out how to win back. You know who else? Hey, young people, look, 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 look. You know who else is leaving? 50-somethings. Because they've made it through. They got the kids through the kids' program. They did the thing. They kind of done. What is it really for me here? And you can change that. By pursuing wisdom in the generation that's before you, you communicate them that they're needed, that they matter, and that all of they've been through is not so they can ride off into the sunset, so they can pour that back into this community, and all of a the sudden they will have a purpose in this place. And that's your responsibility. Don't be a young person who just lets this whole thing revolve around you. Take part in it, grow it, and make it stronger by pursuing wisdom in the generation around you. Number two, what do we do? We set an un common example. I want you to set it. How do we do this thing well? How do we take advantage of young and old and all this stuff? Set an uncommon example. I'll show you what I mean. Older generation, uncommon example is realizing, laying hold, grabbing hold of the idea that God is not done with you until your life is done. It is not, I've put in my time. Whoo, I did that. You know, we had young kids, so we all served in the kids' ministry together. And whoo, thank God that's over. And then, the, you know, they did college, and now they're off and emptiness, and I put my feet up. No, it is to say, uncommon is saying, I still got some wind in these sails. And until this boat sinks, I'm sailing. Go to, go to Samuel. This is, this is the beginning. One of the worst leadership blemishes in King David's life was this. In the springtime, when the kings go off to war, David sent Joab. He was supposed to go. He sent Joab out with the king's men and the whole Israelite army. They destroy the Ammonites and besiege Rabbah, but David remained in Jerusalem. It is one of the worst days in Israel's history. This is playing with ominous music in the background. It's one of the great failures. He got to a day where he felt he had put in his time and he puts his feet up and it was the beginning of the end for his leadership. Uncommon. He's saying, until I'm done, I'm not done. Young people, you set an uncommon example in this church by becoming a faith leader today. Timothy, 1 Timothy, chapter 4, verse 12 has these words for young people. And it says, do not let anyone look down on you because you are young. But set an example for the believers in speech, conduct, and love, faith, and purity. 
Do you know what this means? It means quit waiting for a magic day to rise up and take your faith seriously. Quit waiting. Don't wait for some cathartic moment at CIY on a Thursday when everyone cries and you're like, that'll be my day. No, do it now. Like, step up now. Set an example now. Inspire those in this church by moving farther and faster than anyone else. Some of y'all got older folks in this church running way faster in Jesus' name than you. And it's quit waiting. There's not some magic day. The time is now. Stepping up is now. Can I tell you something? At Momentum, you can go as far as you want to go. We will equip you. We will train you. We will release you. I had a time hopper on Facebook of my drive from Illinois to San Diego, and we told everyone, our prayer is that we have kids in our youth group who grow up and pastor and plant churches one day. You've got an invitation. We'll give you whatever resources you need. We will train you. We'll equip you. We will send you out to do meaningful ministry now. Come on. If you got that thing in your mind and you hear me talking, you're like, I could do that. Do it. You can have this. I'll train you to do this. We'll platform you. By the way, we're going to be a church that develops leaders. So we're going to bring people up here who aren't great at preaching yet. And then all of us together are going to go, that was the best message I've ever heard in my life. Because we're going to be a church that trains up leaders, sends them out, and releases them to impact the world. Young people, your time is now, man. Stop waiting for permission. Send an example now. And we'll partner with you in that. Finally, share an uncommon testimony. How do we do this well? You share an uncommon testimony. Now, I've been trying to speak mostly to the community. This one kind of happens in the family and under the roof. So you got young people in your life, nieces, nephews, cousins, little brothers and sisters, kids you're raising, whatever it is. Um, What will really transform them is having the bravery to share an uncommon testimony. I'll go back to that psalm that I read to you at the beginning. It says this, I want you to just look at the verbs. One generation commends your works to another. They tell of mighty acts. They speak of God's glorious splendor. They tell of the power of your awesome works. They celebrate your goodness and joyfully sing of your righteousness. And it says, that is our responsibility to those who are coming up in the faith underneath us. And I want to challenge you to appropriately do so by sharing an uncommon testimony. Um... I'm a part of this leadership group of pastors, and we gather, and we met in Atlanta, and hold off on the picture, Belly, but um, at the end of the trip, we got to see the King Center, and that'd be the birthplace and museum and whole thing dedicated to Martin Luther King Jr., and uh, it was my favorite part of the whole thing. It just leveled me, Uh, the, the way that he grew up and the whole civil rights story, and you learn that it began way before King. His father was a pastor and uh, he fought for equality and for civil rights and it was all up his family tree and it was just an amazing experience. And then we got to go inside the house where King was born and raised. And King's parents had a home birth because the hospitals were still segregated and they said, we don't want our kid born into a racist environment. We want him born into an environment marked by love. And they raised him there. 
And the tour guide that walked us through the home has been there for 25 years, and he's gotten to know the family, and he's heard King's sister give the tour and share the stories, and he goes, um, i got to remind you guys, there's, there's no photography in here, and uh, appreciate you respecting that. And I did for a while. But then he shared this story that just leveled me. And it spoke so clearly to me of the needs of the next generation. And it revolved around King's dinner table. Y'all want to see the picture? Yes? Okay, you're complicit now, so we're all going down if this goes badly. Um, King's dinner table. And the family waited up till everybody made it back home and enjoyed a meal together every night. But here's the coolest part. Everyone got to participate in the dinner conversation. Now, remind you, this is a time when children were to be seen but not heard. But King's father would come home and he experienced some of the same oppression or, um, how would you say it, same violent attacks that King would later experience and fought for the same, in the same manner and the same way that King Jr. would. And they would come around this table together. And everybody got to hear what was actually going on. And everybody got to share their opinions at the table. And they encouraged the children to speak. They would say, what do you think we should do? What would you do in this situation one day, Martin? And the kids participated as equals at the table. They heard about everything that was going on. They weighed in on everything that was going on. And as a family, they prayed about everything that was going on. And everyone there believes beyond a shadow of a doubt that this is where Martin Luther King Jr.'s leadership and faith were shaped. And this is the place he was equipped with everything he would need to go on and lead the civil rights movement as he did. I think this is a model for great faith in the home. And, and here's what I'm talking about. It is having the courage to appropriately share the real faith happenings in your life with your kid. For some of you, it means when the time is right, saying, hey, let me share with you how Jesus got mom through that depression. Hey, I know I'm your dorky old dad now, but can I tell you who I was before Christ and what my life is like and why I decided to trust him? It's gathering together when you're making a big faith move, when you're doing something that scares you, sharing that you're scared, saying, that's why we pray as a family. And through that, shaping the faith of the next generation. That's an uncommon testimony. And I can tell you from my 16 years in student ministry, that's what makes faith look real to these young people. So what are we going to do? We're going to begin with uncommon humility. We're going to set an uncommon example, and we're going to share an uncommon testimony. And as we finish this series, we're going to do this one more time. Um, we're going to join in communion together and just acknowledge, young and old, that it is Jesus who brings us together. Um, so welcome teamers, you guys can begin. Here's what we're going to do. This is going to be a different ending to our usual message time together.
uh, band, come on up. Here's what we're going to do. Our welcome team is going to pass communion, and I want to encourage you to just grab one of those juices and hold it, and grab the little cracker and hold it. And in a minute, I'm going to explain the significance. I'll say a prayer. And we're going to just take communion together, acknowledging that it is Jesus that binds us all together. And so um, go ahead, you guys. You can start passing trays now. You can move about the cabin. I don't remember. <laughs> and, and, and before your hands get full, if you want to fill in number four in your notes, it just says this. As a community, we want to give Christ an uncommon priority. Together, we want to give Christ an uncommon priority in this community. What does that mean? It means how the heck do this many different people from different ages and stages and faith backgrounds and, and, and countries of origin and different places come together? How do we, like, how do we actually do that? Well, together, we make Jesus the most important thing about us. Together, we say the most important thing in the people around me is that the same Savior died the same death and rose back to life to make us one. I think we do that by putting on Christ. What does that mean? That sounds like church talk. No, it doesn't. Putting on Christ is just diving into the life of Jesus going, he's what matters. He's my hope. And if I believe that, I have everything in common with everyone around me. Can I tell you guys something? That would be uncommon. And that would make this community an amazing faith family. In Philippians, there's this tiny little verse about being like Christ, and I'm just going to read it as the last moment, and this is Momentum Series together. It says this, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, rather momentum and humility value others above yourselves. That's the kind of community older people want to be a part of. That's the kind of community young people want to be a part of. And that's the community Jesus is calling us to be together. So I'm going to pray. I'll say amen. And we'll take communion together. Saying we're going to be that kind of family. We'll sing one last song together. Would you pray with me? God and Father, thank you for the young people in this church. I pray that supernaturally you would send them into the world to bring an awakening just how wonderful and lovely our faith is. God, I thank you for the older members of this congregation who have chosen to make this their church home. God, I pray, I pray the best would be yet to come for every single one of them and every single one of us. And together, you would take these unique identities and make us good at being one together because of Jesus. It's in his name we pray.